The following is a conversation I facilitated between Coach Bevins of Westfield, Coach Mescalic of Chesterton, Coach Rush of Lewis Cass, and Coach Rensink of Bloomington South. We cover their background in running and coaching, their coaching philosophy and lessons learned from their many years of coaching, and then spend most of our time unpacking a bunch of topics surrounding coaching as a female and coaching female athletes. This was another panel that blew me away. I'm really thankful these coaches were so open and honest about some rather challenging topics and personal experiences. We get into a bunch of female-specific questions, but even as a male athlete and male coach, there was a ton I took away. I think there's something in this episode for everyone. Like always, I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you the Female Coaches Panel. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. We have our female coaches panel tonight. Um, before I let them introduce themselves, we're going to start with tier talk like we have been. And for this week, figured in the, the spirit of the season, best Christmas movie, best holiday movie. Um, so if you guys want to, I can go first, but if you guys want to introduce yourselves, you know, name, where you coach, uh, maybe a little bit of background. And then do your tier talk, and then we can go from there. Uh, so for me, these may not, may not be the best Christmas movies, but I basically just went on the ones that I watched the most or that I enjoyed the most growing up. So honorable mention, and debatably uh, a Christmas movie, is Home Alone. I just love the, uh, I don't know, the tricks that the kid would play. I thought it was just like the coolest thing. Growing up, and the number three classic comedy is National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation, one of the best Christmas movies. Number two, another classic is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Hard to keep that out of the top three. The number one, the animation kind of creeps me out a little bit, but we watched it like a hundred times growing up, so it's got like a special place in my heart. It is the Polar Express? It's a great feel-good movie. A little creepy with the animation, but. That's still good. I think that dates you, Josh. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> exposed a little bit. But cool. Whitney, do you want to take it next? All right. Call sure. me out. Yeah. All right. Yep. No problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Coach Whitney Bevins from Westfield High School. Um, <clears throat> let's see. In my going into my second full year as head coach. Um, okay. Christmas movies. Uh, number three was Frosty the Snowman, like old school Frosty the Snowman. Mm -hmm. Uh, two, number two was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the claymation version. Um, I identify very greatly with the, uh, Island of Misfit toys. Um, (laughs) and, uh, number one is Love Actually. Oh, goodness. Mm. It's on my list. There you, go. there you go nice is it i guess i'll go um all right Lindsay muscalic i am the head girls coach over at chesterton high school for both um cross country and track i think this is year four slash five 
um, but you're 14 of coaching overall. Um, my, I didn't have any honorable mentions, but we said to keep it PG 13, but I have to include this one. <laughs> I like bad Santa. <laughs> that was a good one. So, um, that would probably be my number three. My number two would be, um, the national lampoons Christmas vacation. And then my all time favorite is elf. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good choice. Good one. Very good. I'll, I'll go next. Uh, my name is Jill Rensink and I coach at Bloomington South. This is my third year as head coach of uh, girls cross country and girls track and my ninth year of coaching overall. Um, I don't really have an honorable mention, but now that you reminded me of Elf, maybe that will be my honorable mention. <laughs> um, my number three is Love Actually because I'm just a sucker for the rom-coms, yeah. And then um, my number two is The Family Stone. I don't know if anyone has seen that one before. Love The Family Stone. So good. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. And then my number one, I'm kind of a classic person. So It's a Wonderful Life is my number one. Mm. Good list, Joe. Good. Yeah. <laughs> But Elf, definitely. Yes. All right, I'll go. Um, this is my eighth year at Liz Cass. I'm Denise Rush. Um, it's almost 20 years of coaching um, for me. And um, it's my third school I've coached at. Um, my Christmas list, I'm really surprised nobody said a Christmas story because I could relate to Ralphie. Because I never yeah. got what I wanted for Christmas sometimes. <laughs> I grew up. So um, I have that. And then I would definitely agree with Frosty and... Um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for sure. Solid. So, um, so I like Google. I did a quick Google search on like, the best Christmas movies to refresh myself when I was making this list. And Love actually was at the top of a lot of them. Um, is it like newer or is it what is it about? I might not have even been born. No, he was, yeah. <laughs> it was like early. It was early two thousands. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a. <laughs> British film um but it's true they're bringing out a second one Whitney I uh, I did not but now I'm happy to hear that yeah <laughs> it's called like really love actually yeah. <laughs> you should watch it if you haven't seen it yet yeah so good. I was born in 2012 so oh, right, right before no, no, I was born <laughs> okay so now we're going to move into your guys' backgrounds. Um, well, Lindsay and Whitney, you guys have, have your own solo episodes. So feel free to, to share as much as or as little as you want, because I know we kind of dove into that in depth on those. But if you guys want to talk a little bit about your running background, so um, like how you got your start in the sport, do you have a background in running, do you run in high school, college, things like that. And then coaching, how'd you get your start in coaching? What's kind of been your coaching journey up to this point. So whoever wants to take it. You want to start with Denise or Jill? Uh, I'll go. Can we go first? Um, so I ran when I was younger. We did a lot of fun runs. We do that those here as well. And then um, I did run, um, not run cross country till sophomore year. Actually, I was a volleyball player. I was a setter. Um, and then I did really well and tracked my freshman year. I went to state in the mile. So I realized I should probably switch over to cross country. And I think that was a good thing because I did not get burnt out. You know, I loved it. Um, my sophomore year, I had a lot of success. And then um, I ran in college at St. Joseph's College, which is no longer actually small um, uh, division two school. And then, um, like I said, this was my third 
school I coached at. So I started at West Central, a small 1A school. That was a good experience. There was not a girls team at the time. So I started up a girls team. Um, and then I coached there four years. And then I went up north to a big 2A school, Lake Central. So that was quite a change. Um, I was there for seven years. Um, and I actually, uh, I had my son and I coached with my son about three months old. And then I needed a sign from God and I got pregnant with my daughter. So that was a sign that I needed to take two years off. So we actually moved to Indy. So um, I coached at Lake Central for seven years. Um, had some success there as well. Um, and that was a really good experience going from a 1A school to a 4A school. Um, and um, I had a lot of good experiences there. I was blessed with a really good assistant coach as well in Downey. And then I was looking into coaching in Indianapolis actually area. Um, There's a couple of openings there, but then my husband brought me back to small town of Walton where we live now. And I got a coaching job here. So I've coached here for eight years now. And um, once again, we started with two girls on the team. I had to go to the county fair, talk girls into running. And now we have almost 20 girls on the team every year. And um, it's been a really good um, progress of just my experiences from all three schools helping um, to build this team here. Um, so that's kind of my running story. Um, I always wanted to coach. Um, I took one of those aptitude tests, I think, in college that says, what should you do? And out pumped, uh, you know, PE teacher, teacher, which I teach math now, but um, teacher, coach, athletic director. And so that's what I went into. And I love it. I love my job. So that's me. Great. I'll, I'll go next. Um, so I, I grew up in Canada, just north of Toronto and um, ran, started running when I was 10. I think my first road race was a 10 mile race when I was 10 years old, which just kind of seems kind of foolish now. Um, I, I ran cross country and track in high school up there. And then I came down to the States on a scholarship and I went to, I ran at Iowa State, um, mostly 800s and mostly was injured all four years that I was there. Um, so I have a really good background on injury and injury recovery. Um, I started coaching. So I'm actually, I've been a personal trainer for about 16 years now. I started that when my daughter went to school when she was little. Um, and I am a co-owner of a fitness studio in Bloomington as well right now. So I have a, and I actually, my degree is in PE. So I had kind of that sort of coaching, teaching background as well. Um, I started coaching when my daughter was in seventh grade at middle school. And I, I watched her seventh grade year and felt so badly for the two teachers who had, I don't know, 70 kids. And I kind of went up and said, Hey, I will hand out water or time or do whatever. I just, I'll herd people onto buses. I'd love to help. Um, and I helped that first year and thought, why have I not been doing this my whole life? This is what I should have been doing. Um, the following year, I became the co-head coach at that middle school. And then um, that year, I also started coaching at South. And interestingly enough, I volunteered on the boys' side. And I coached the sprinters <laughs> on the boys' team at South my first couple years um, that I was at South. Um, when the pandemic hit or right sort of as the pandemic was in full swing, the, uh, the coach at, at South, the cross country coach stepped down and I had come to her the year before and said, Hey, I would love to help you. And, uh, she stepped down. I got the, uh, cross country job there. And then about a month later, the track coach stepped down 
And so uh, Coach Larry Williams, who's the boys head coach, coerced me into applying for the track, the track job, <laughs> which I then um, took on that as well. So I've been coaching at, at South for about eight years now, started as a volunteer, and then it's been three years now as the head coach. Um, and yeah, I started during the pandemic, which is a really fun time to um, take on a head coaching position. But um, I, I have loved it. Like I said, when I first started coaching in middle school that first season, I was like, this is what I should have been doing for a really long time. Um, so I, I, I also, I love it. I wish high school coaches were paid more and we could do this for a living and it would be great. Yeah. That's the case. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't do it for the money. I do it because I love it so much. So that's my background. I'll go next, Whitney. You can cap, cap us off. Um, <laughs> so I started out running in Chesterton, started in middle school, ran in high school, had a successful career, continued as a scholarship athlete at Indiana University. University had, yep, Jill had my fair share of injuries too. So I was a cross training hero for about a year and a half and really used that to my advantage. Um, and then I, majored in health and PE with the idea of being a coach. So it was kind of always my, my goal to either be a college coach or a high school coach. And the job at Crown Point opened up for me and I applied for it. And then um, I worked under Patty Bagley, who was pretty successful over at Crown Point High School for a few years until I took over for a few years. And then my goal was always to try and get back to Chesterton and got my master's in school counseling. And then um, job opened for an elementary position and now I'm at Chesterton for year five, if I did the math right, or four and a half uh, at Chesterton, and I'm an elementary school counselor at the same time. So I get to see a wide range of kids, and I've got some interesting stories. If we want a side podcast on elementary <laughs> level, that would actually be a very successful podcast. So that's where I'm at in my career right now. All right, Simi. Okay. Uh, Lindsay, I was trying to look up the IU. Uh, so IU soccer is actually playing the national championship right now against Syracuse. Yeah, right. I was trying to look up the score before I spoke. Um, I think they were losing 2-1 before we came on. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know the update. Um, okay. So we don't have an update on that game. Um, so yeah. So I'm Whitney. Um, I ran at Westfield High School. Um, let's see. Yeah. I graduated in 99. And then went on to IU uh, for an interesting career. Um, only ran a couple of years and most of it was injury plagued. Um, and then, but I love running. Like running found me, I found running at it, like at very different points in my life. Um, and so Jill, so briefly, I think like it was maybe one semester it, while I was at IU, I helped out with Bloomington South. Um, and, and then, yeah, no, just running's always been a part of my life. I didn't know that I wanted to be a coach necessarily. Uh, I just was anytime I was in Westfield, uh, well, was I in grad school or at other points in my life, I would help with the program. Um, I never went the teacher route. So it was never like that, that, that chosen path per se, um, but I was always helping out anytime I was in the state. I was very nomadic for most of my life. Um, and then in 2016, um, after, so I ran the Olympic trials for the marathon, I moved back to Indianapolis and um, 
and was in the area and coach Liskin asked me if I, he needed, like he needed help, uh, at Westfield. And I was like, sure, I'll help out. Um, and this was just for a summer camp. And then he, he suggested, he goes, you know, you, you, you can help out for the season if you want. And that's kind of where, that's where it started for sure. Like formally, I suppose. And then, um, so I was Litzkin's assistant for a couple of years and Litzkin coached me at Westfield. Um, and the intention was that I would take over the program. Um, I did not know that at the time, uh, but he had planned that I would take over when he was ready to step down. And so I coached under him for a couple of years. And then um, in 20, I guess 2020 formally, I took over uh, the Westfield program for him. So yeah, kind of where I am. Cool. Well, thank you guys for, for sharing all that. Uh, we're going to get into some coaching questions, uh, like philosophy, some things you guys have learned through the years, and then we'll get to kind of the meat of the discussion, talking about coaching as a female, um, and then also coaching females. That's a bunch of questions for you guys on, in that regard. So we'll start with coaching. Um, and you guys could, with this question, you can share like as much or as little as you'd like, but if you could give kind of a brief overview of your coaching philosophy, uh, so mileage, progression, key workouts, maybe even how you've, uh, changed things up over the years, whatever you really want to share is, is great. So whoever wants to start on that one. I'll go first. What the heck? Okay. I'll go first <laughs> and get over with. Here we go. Um, so I, I think my philosophy might be a tiny bit different from some other teams, just from what I've heard of. I think it's because I come from that 800 meter background and that training that I'm so familiar with. Um, I would say we do a lot more speed stuff early in the season. Um, just as an example, I think during early conditioning in the summer, we do, I mean, we do strides after most of our runs, but our strides are not just strides. They're like pretty hard and intense. Um, we do some short, fast hills early on in the season. Um, so we really, I have that sort of sprinter mindset where you have to get things twitching and firing quickly, and then you kind of build on that. Um, I would say overall, our mileage is probably lower than a lot of schools. I think we, we maybe go 30 to 40 miles a week at the very, very, very most. Um, and we don't do our runs based on miles. We do them based on time. So I just think as a team, we start the run together, we finish the run together. So if, if we're going out for 40 minutes, my, my front end girls are going to go farther. My back end girls who are a little slower, aren't going to go as far, but we start the runs and we finish the runs together. So we're not, you know, waiting for the back end kids. So they don't feel like they're, you know, bringing up the rear kind of thing. Um, I just made some notes here on stuff. Um, what else? Because I have a personal training background, I spend a lot of time doing preventative stuff. So preventative strength training, and we have a whole routine that we do to try to keep the shin splints away, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work. Um, for the most part, I think we're successful there, but um, we do a lot of preventative stuff that way. I'm trying to think of favorite workouts that we have. We did a lot of stuff this year. A lot of our interval stuff we did on the track this year. Um, we just felt like I, I personally, my, myself and my assistant coach, Missy Williams, it's just really nice to be able to see them do, uh, interval stuff on the track, to be able to see where they are instead of sending them off somewhere or, or being on a trail somewhere where we maybe can't see 
the whole interval. So I felt like having them on the track where we could see them was good. Um, I'm trying to think our long runs this year and the past couple of years, I, I really kind of tend to go away from just sending them out for 60 to 70 minutes of long plodding slow pace, because I feel like they get really lazy and they are kind of just plodding along with a technique that is just, it's just, ugh. um, so we've taken our long runs and we throw a little tempo chunk in the middle to kind of wake them up a little bit. Um, so for that reason, our longer runs, we never go beyond an hour and there's always a little tempo portion somewhere in there to kind of wake up their legs a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think what else we, we leaned a little bit more this year into recovery. Uh, I felt like one day in the one day a week in the pool was really, really good for some of the kids um we tended to in years past by the time we got to semi-state and state their legs were dead and so being able to back off a little bit in October and give them some rest and recovery was really valuable and really we we got some good results from that so that's kind of it I could go on forever but that's kind of the, in a nutshell sort of what we did this year I'll go. Are we all going on this one? Or Josh yeah. is the question. Okay. Um, yeah. So at Chesterton, you know, I, I try to individualize it as much as I can. I mean, each of the girl has their own training log that I provide them with their own training plan each week. Um, so each is a little bit different. Cause like Jill said, some are more 800 based and some are more, you know, longer distance. They're definitely 5k runners. So I try to work with that as much as I can. Um, you know, with the shin problems and stuff, you know, I try to stick with that preventative stuff as well before and big time afterwards and, you know, really teaching them the whole recovery process and, you know, they're with us for two hours and it's all about what are you doing for the 22 hours outside of practice because that's the real recovery part and really taking care of yourself and, mm -hmm. you know, I preach that to them a lot. I am a mileage person. I don't do the minute training or anything like that. But like Jill said, I've learned that once I get the girls close to 40, I start to see injuries out of them. And we spend about 50% of our cross country runs on some sort of soft surface. So I try to stay off of the pavement as much as I can, because I've noticed shin splints more during the cross country season when they're on, on yeah. pavement a lot more. So I, you know, try to mix up the, the terrain. And as far as the mileage goes, you know, back in the day, you know, with the Kearney era, we were rocking 50, 60 mile weeks. And I, I don't think you see that very often anymore, you know, just with how things have changed. And, you know, there's a lot more you can do instead of just running. There's a lot of benefits out of cross training or getting into the pool, not just for recovery, but for an extra workout. So, you know, I just, my, my big thing about me with coaching is trying to really figure out each girl and try to work with what they personally need and then giving them the paces that they need to be hitting. And, you know, key workouts, I'm a big interval person. I really like the Oregon workout that um, they do, which is a K jog a 200 and then sprint a 200. They seem to really thrive on that workout and really build their confidence. So that that's a good one we, we like to do. Um, and then, you know, dabble into speed and you know, all of us are going to share, we probably all do something very similar, if not a little bit different, but, you know, each year I ch try to change it a little bit. You know, I, I try to not change too much, but then my brain starts thinking about, oh, maybe I should try this. And so then I want to try it. So, 
you know, I've tried, I've found things that have worked, but sometimes the group is different and you have to change based on their individual needs is my biggest thing. Um, I'll go and Whitney can go last. <laughs> <laughs> She's the young one. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, I've definitely changed my training over the years, depending on facilities and what we have available. Um, I'm a low mileage coach. Um, I always have been um, because usually my younger runners are my better runners. And so I have to take that consideration. I'm also talking at this school. I'm talking basketball players into coming out and the other girls into coming out. Whoops. I went dark. Um, all right. Sorry, I have to move around. Um, I'm at school. So um, I have to change every year a little bit. Up at Lake Central, I was um, into, for example, 1,000 workouts. But around here, a lot of the courses don't have thousands marked. That doesn't mean anything to the girls. So I had to switch to 800 and mile repeats. So I had to just adapt to like here. Um, I have basically, I, I would tell this to young coaches, I've gone to a lot of clinics and camps. I went to a lot of camps when I didn't have kids and I would talk to other coaches about their favorite workouts and and um, and I kind of dabble with like what they have and I try to tweak mine with what works for other people too, but like make it work for my girls. So you can't cookie cut from other people's, but you can kind of like, I like that and I'll add it to mine. Um, so, um, I mean, you'd probably be surprised a couple of girls I've had made it to state were only on 25 to 30 miles a week, but it's quality. Everything I do is quality. Um, it's time. I agree with the... Um, I call it the slog, the slow jog. It's not allowed. Um, so you have to always put a bounce to your step. You're not allowed to walk ever. And um, I try to go a minute to two minutes slow in race pace on those. I do have a rule because I feel like at that point you're going too slow because we're not doing, like you said, the 60 miles a week. If you're doing that, then yeah, you could go slower. But since we're not, we have to have quality. Um, we do log everything during the summer. We have a spreadsheet they have to enter in on. And um, I know there's a lot of sites out there that are good, but spreadsheets work for my girls. Um, they put it on their phone and they have, there's like a t-shirt they get if they get so many miles. And that really helps get our mileage up during the summer. Cause I have to play with also other sports. We have three sport athletes here. It's a small school. So I count anything they do. They play basketball for an hour. I count that. They swim for swim team. I count that. Um, I just don't count walking. So, um, but it seems to help because I want them to cross train. I'll count biking. I'll count anything, any kind of exercise. Um, I'll count that. Um, and that seemed to help during that year of the COVID that um, the girls were doing anything, any kind of exercise work. So, um, so low mileage, um, I individualize as well. I think you have to, I adapt to the girls and we do swim every Wednesday. Um, every Wednesday, they know they're going to the pool and we do a lot of things in the pool so that they're ready to run on Thursday. Um, and that has helped with injuries. Um, I think tremendously. Um, number one, I make it pretty hard so that they want to run the next day um and um we have what we call the diaper if they can't swim it's a little belt they can wear this other thing they can wear um if they can't swim they go only one and they do that or they use the kickboard the whole time um but it works it works i think and we lift weights as well i'm, I'm really big on um strength training we don't have hills around here so we have to do that we have to lift i know there's different feelings on that but i'm really big on some type of weightlifting during the summer and during the season um and that's kind of my basic vibe. It's probably similar to everybody else. So, so Whitney's turn. <laughs> Her dogs are attacking each other in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, so I okay. So those that don't know me, I have uh, five dogs um, yeah. and four cats. 
Every week, I think above uh, Indianapolis city limits. That's okay. Nobody used to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have two corgis at the moment that are play attacking each other in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I do. My side job is animal rescue. Um, but yeah, no, it's okay. So as a second year coach, I think I'm still kind of learning and figuring out what my style is. Um, I definitely in the first year kind of mimicked, I think a little bit more what coach Lutzkin did. Um, and in the second year, I felt more comfortable um, doing a, definitely more mileage than he had done in the previous years. Um, I would agree that 40 is for, I feel comfortable pushing it. Like 40 is definitely a limit for some of my seniors. Um, I feel pretty good around 30 miles a week for a lot of my girls. Um, and then, yeah, as I dogs playing in the background, I, what's the question? <laughs> um, you can add in like key workouts, progression, yes. I don't know, anything okay. else on the training philosophy? Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I have another dog that currently is uh, trying to jump up my lap. Um, let's see. So, um, this is Nuggies, everybody. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So definitely like in the summer, we've, um, just really, we do a lot, just more mileage, um, tempos. I'm a big fan of threshold work. Um, I think again, one thing I've, I'm learning to adjust is definitely my, my, my running is more of a, is, is a marathoner. Um, so trying to scale that back to 5k training. Um, but we've definitely focused a lot on, um, Tempo work, fartlicks early in the summer, and then honing in on more, I think, kind of interval specific work, kind of more like September, October. Um, and yeah, like I'm definitely not afraid of mileage at all with the girls. Um, but try, I'm one thing I'm learning specifically is, and one thing I would say I'm still not super comfortable with is how to train freshmen um, and how to like, I guess, progress them up into that state tournament. Um, I would say that's something that I still need, like, some learning on. And I think that's what this panel is for us, too, is to, like, train. Um, like, I certainly have questions with a newer coach on, you know, how to, how to train some of those younger girls and how to keep them fresh throughout the whole season um, and how to progress them properly to prevent injury. Um, cause certainly I've had a lot of injuries in my career as an athlete and want to help like try to prevent this as much as possible. I think as we all do, um, another thing that I think I brought into West Hills program is variety. And, um, I know again, Lidskin was a mentor of mine, but he was certainly not a, um, one thing he did not do a lot of it was variety. And so I do switch up the running a lot. So we alternate our long runs on soft surface and hard surface, um, both loops and corporate hills. Um, and so like that's been something different for Westfield because we actually, we have access to the Monon really close to the high school, which is great. Um, but we have a great park close to us called McGregor Park. It's a crush gobble, hilly path. And then we also have Cool Creek Park, like Cool Creek Park, which is 
it's a mile road loop that's very hilly. So I alternate those. Um, so it's alternating uh, crushed gravel and hard surface. Um, so that's something I've played around with a lot is making sure they're on soft surface, but also getting them to harder surface um, just to callous their legs a little bit. Um, and, you know, so I don't know. It's like, I again, I'm only my second year as head coach. I've trained a lot as an athlete and a marathoner, but still I feel like I'm learning a lot and trying to uh, incorporate my own training into high school girls 5k training so yeah do you uh need the other coaches do you guys have thoughts on bringing along freshman girls have you found anything that's been successful I'll I'll go I'll kind of go um you know for me with my program because yeah I agree like the freshmen coming in you know from our feeder program how to word it in the right way. I would like the feeder program to be a little bit stronger at Chesterton. Um, that's kind of been a focus of mine over the years. And, you know, that's kind of the thing I've noticed when the freshmen come in, I kind of sit down and I talk to them and I ask them the type of training that they've done. And then I kind of build them throughout the summer. I kind of put them in their own group, to be honest, throughout the entire season. They're at a lower end group and they're like I have like my higher mileage group, a medium group, and then I've got like my freshmen and my injury prone kids. And I clump them together and their training is not as high as the other two groups. And, you know, I've been doing that for the past couple of years and the freshmen seem to transition. You know, they, they still have those moments where they kind of break down in some of my workouts because they're not used to it, but I'm able to keep them healthy and they seem to transition and then they seem to build from go from going from there which seems to help for them too so definitely putting them in a you know a lower tier as far as training goes is important i think i had um i had three freshmen this year in my top five top six um and they also came from middle schools who it's hard to say nicely right um just really did not have a very defined training program. So there was sort of, you know, hit and miss workouts and races. And so this was kind of their first long stint of consistent training. Um, and I probably drove them nuts because I think I asked them every day, how are you feeling? How are your legs? Are you tired? What's going on? Are you okay? Do you, so I just, I kept trying to check in with them. I did back off with them on long runs sometimes. And then there were occasional inter interval workouts where they wouldn't do as many. I just, you know, freshman, you're doing this many, everybody else, you're going to do this many. Um, but this particular group of three that I had were tough as nails. So every time I said, Hey, let's back off. No, 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 no. I don't want to, I don't want to back off or, or, Hey, we have enough depth depth this year that let's take this weekend off. No, 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 no I don't want to take a weekend off. So I was lucky that they, um, they were gung ho from day one. So I, I did have to kind of rein them in a little bit, but I, I think just checking in with them and developing that relationship where they're comfortable enough to tell you, Hey, my legs are feeling like crap right now. Um, and then being able to adjust, but yeah, I think it's just very individual, right? Just trying to figure out each kid and, um, with them, it was just being able to talk to them and get some feedback. It took probably until mid September until they would actually respond. And I would say, are you feeling okay? Well, I'm kind of a little bit, and then we would back off. But yeah, they're kind of a tricky, a tricky age. Yeah, I have, um, I have five of my top ten were freshmen. So I, I, well, we're very young this year, 
but I would say at Lake Central, my better runners were also freshmen, but they developed. But I, my freshmen do the same. They always have everybody else, but I back off at the end, like a little bit more because I feel like it takes two or three years of intense running. And so they're just getting into that. So they need more, um, they need to back, so I back off at the end only. They, they do everything else and they actually, they're my better, like this year, my number one's a freshman. Um, she nearly made the state, but she, um, she did actually more, I hate to say it than anyone else, but she was ready. She was strong. Um, she was two, three sport athlete, but um, I, I think the end for me is important for freshmen to kind of back off a little bit because they want to do more and their, their body actually needs, I feel like more recovery. That's yeah. But for us, that Wednesday pool workout has been huge for my freshmen um, and that prevents injury and they want to do more, but um, I think they finally find um, in August, like later in August, they need it because their legs are tired. And I backed off my Tuesday meets as well. I've, I've gotten out of a bunch of them um, and that doesn't hurt my freshmen either. So I've, I've really got out of most of all but like one, I think Tuesday meet. Um, and I think that's helped my freshmen. Some people around here, I know like do a lot of meets. I don't. Um, and that helps my, my freshmen a lot by not running in all the meets. So, um, I don't know. But once again, I have to, my freshmen are, like this year is our athletic group. And usually my freshman is like one of my top three here, but it's a small school. So it's, it depends on if you have numbers. <laughs> so. Cool, thank you guys for chiming in on that. Um, so we'll move to the, the next question. I'm gonna tie two together here. So how have you guys evolved as coaches over the years? Uh, what are maybe some key lessons you've learned about training, culture, leadership, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then maybe what is one high moment and one low moment of your career so far? It's kind uh, of a big question. <laughs> well, I will uh, start. I'll say shout out uh, Lindsay at Chesterton. Um, a lot of respect there for culture and having to make difficult decisions um, that I've not yet had to make as a tier, like second year head coach. Um and I know she's had to make some difficult decisions that, um, yeah, now I'm just a lot of respect there because I know culturally, like it's been difficult. Um, and I think coaching girls, there are some people that say coaching girls is no different than coaching boys. And I very much disagree with that. Um, and uh, I'm learning. I would say, again, I, this is only my second year as I coach. I'm still very much learning. Um, Culturally, um, this was a challenging year. I think I didn't expect it because my first year went so well. And um, like, just, it was a great season. So I didn't anticipate a lot of things that might happen in my second year. And um, second year was very difficult culturally and um, just different athletes, different personalities and uh, females can be very different, um, can be challenging in other ways than I think coaching males can be. Um, and just, you know, sometimes you just, whatever we have to deal with emotions, um, and dynamics and it's very difficult. And, uh, that's not, you know, I know running very well, but I have to say that I'm learning how to deal with, uh, 60, 15 to 60 year old girls uh is very different than learning and understanding running um so culturally that's something I'm definitely trying to work on and figure out and learn um and I've reached out to other coaches again coach 
Um, Coach Lindsay is one of them. And again, a lot of respect for her in something she's had to handle and deal with um, this year specifically. Um, again, I had a great first season and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, this is easy. And then and my second year was like, oh gosh, this is not at all what I expected. Um, so, you know, so I think it's a constant, I think it's just a constant learning. Um, no matter how many years we've been running, um, I think coaching is a constant learning and each year is so different. I, so that's, that's my thought so far. I can, I can jump in on the tail end of that. Cause this is only my third year as a head coach. So I'm only a year ahead of you. <laughs> my first year, my first year was COVID. Um, which was a, you know, insane as it was. And my second year was really rough. And we, we, I lost three of my top five, um, a couple who just didn't want to run anymore. One who got injured. Um, and we did not make it to the state meet for the first time in 13 years. So as the, you know, second year in the head coaching position to ruin that streak was like, pfft not fun um at all and again that the culture was the culture was not good um and i think i we had a big because i lost those three kids we had a big gap between first and second and i pushed that back group to try to close the gap and i i think the big lesson i learned was that you you have to meet them where they are and you can't try to force uh training that they're not ready for um so that was a huge lesson for us the good news was so that was my low <laughs> that was my low there were a lot of tears at the semi-state meet um when we did not make it we had an individual go but to not have the team go for the first time in 13 years was really hard um but then the high was that it all turned around this year and so whitney have faith it will <laughs> it will turn around so this year it all turned around and i I got some amazing incoming kids, some freshmen and a transfer student who the culture has completely changed. Um, it's like a 180, it's amazing. Um, we were second at semi-state, so we kind of got that uh, sort of monkey off our back, um, but that that's definitely been the high. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it can change so quickly from year to year. You can have a year where everything just goes, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And then all of a sudden, things are great. So hang in there. I mean, I'm only one year ahead of you, so I don't know, maybe my, maybe year four won't be good again. I don't know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no. okay. um, so Although, because I think you have more years than me. So then oh, yes, you are younger. Years of coaching. Um, you know, for me, for culture of the team, you know, and I said on the earlier podcast, and I won't go deep into it, is I'm a big relationship person. You know, I think that's really what girls thrive on is having that meaningful connection with their coach. And I, like Whitney said, I had to make some decisions and I'm okay sharing it. I had to remove my number one runner from the team this season, which you, you never anticipate when you're a third place team the year before, and then you finish 12th in the semi-state, you know, that that's, that was definitely a low, low point for us, you know, because you, you don't realize the impact that one person can have on the other six and then now seven, cause someone had to fill in especially when some relationships were extremely close with that individual and how it just, I, as the coach, I tried my 
my best. I, I still believe I did what was best for the team because I'm, I'm a rule follower and I, that's the society we live in. We have rules and expectations and that's real life and the rules weren't followed. And, you know, at the time it, it, it's, it sucked, you know, but I think the girls learned some life lessons and they learned how we have to be resilient and bounce back. And even though this season didn't um, pan out how we were hoping, you know, it caused some of our girls like our freshmen and our sophomores to get some real experience that they probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise moving into next year. So it will be, be exciting to see how they, they develop and, you know, thrive next year. But, you know, the big thing with being a female coach, I think, and with female athletes is that that relationship that you have with them, whether they're the number one runner or the last runner on the team, they, they need to know they count and they need to know that you're there for them and you care about them. And when you start to have that and you have their back, I think that really, you know, the team thrives off of that. And again, a lot of respect, Lindsay, because I think I was in a situation where I maybe had to do something similar and I wasn't quite prepared to do that. So, yeah, thank you. Lindsay, what year did you graduate from Chesterton? Oh, two. Okay, because that's when I started at Lake Central. So actually, <laughs> I think I against you. I did, actually. I was a sister. So, good to know. Good to know. There you go. That you're an athlete. Um, but you guys are really good. So, um, and that was neat about the region schools. Like, the coaches all got along. Um, I really looked up to Karen DeVries, who passed away this year. I want to give a shout out to her because she was amazing. Um, and I just loved how she composed herself. I think I looked up to her the most for that because she just always had her composure and they, Valpo was such a good team. And she was one of the, like, I don't know if there were already at that many, at that time, very many female head coaches, you know, and she, here she was one that, that won state back to back many years um, back in those, that, that era a while ago. Um, so that was really neat. So, so yeah, it's so good to know. So I was thinking, what was our timeline there? And then I worked with Patty Bagley as well. You worked with her at um, Crown Point. She coaches me at Lake Central during track. So that was an amazing experience as well. So we have some connections there. But I would say I learned, it takes three years to build your program um, because you're kind of working with like what, what was before you and you can't change everything all at once because people don't adapt to change. You have to be careful and pick your battles. And then by year four, like your seniors are your seniors essentially because they know what you want. And so you definitely have to hang in there. Um, but you know how it is like one little thing that somebody does one week will like, that's the reason why you coach to the next year. Like you have, there's always a why. Like I always ask my girls, what is your why for running? And you have to keep your wife for coaching. Um, so I think if, if like, that's my philosophy is you have to find each girl's why. Because I have some girls that are just out there because they love the team. I have some girls that are out there because they want a letter for a letter jacket. I have some girls that want to go to college. So if I know their why, then I can figure out how to coach them individually. So that's my big thing. Um, I'm really big on investment. Like I read a lot of John Wood and stuff. And like the tier of leadership is like you have to invest in your your girls so like my girls know I have their back no matter what like you Lindsay like you have to do that but at the same time I'm very hard on them I'm, I'm a rule follower as well and like so I'm not their friend but I'm their mentor and their leader and I think you have to like I made some mistakes probably when I first started coaching I was probably I don't know I think I let my first year, I don't know if I let them with my first name or something silly like that way back then I looked back and I made some mistakes but I got better and I think going to my third school I was able to like start fresh almost which was kind of nice you know when I started my third school and established like some new things. Um, my high was, I think when I started, um, I said West Central, we started a team, which was nice. And I got a girl to go to semi-state because it was 1A school, so that was big. And I went to Lake Central and um, we had not gone to state. We had an individual with Penny Wart Large that went to state, she was really good. 
Um, I was just an assistant coach for senior year. Um, and then um, we were a team that was always like on the border. That was back when there was only five teams for semi-state that could go. We were the sixth place team a couple of times. And then um, we missed it. Like my third year, we missed it going to state by three. And then the next year we made it to state and we got eighth. Then the next year in 07, 08, um, that's when we actually got second at state. And um, that's when uh, <clears throat> it Carmel beat us. But it was pretty cool to see all the people come up to our starting line and wish us good luck to beat Carmel. Nothing <laughs> 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 against Carmel. But I realized then that we were big, big time when we had all these people who I did not even know um, come up to our box. And I'm like, girls, this is pretty big. Um, and then uh, we actually made it that year to Nike. We, we won. The girls got beat. Was it that year? No, that year we got beat by Westfield. Sorry, Whitney. That was Westfield that year. <laughs> and um, we got beat by Westfield. And Liskin was really good. He was great. And he told me that the better you get, the more problems with parents you'll have. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, no way. Like, you've got to have parents like all on your side. Like, there is no way you have problems with parents. Because we did a, um, I think at the coaching conference, we did a top five panel and I was on it with him. And I was like, how do you, you won state, how many, what, seven times? How do you have problems with parents? And he's like, oh, Denise, you don't even know. And so I've learned that, yes, you're going to have some problems with parents as you get better, because for some reason, they like to question, even though you're successful, what you're doing. And so you just have to be confident in what you're doing and um, <clears throat> you really go out and talk to other coaches. But that year we went to Nike and we, um, we did beat Westville at the regional. So we lost to them at state. And the girls are like, we're going to win regional. And I'm like, you guys, we got beat by Westville. So it'd be nice if you guys won regional. So a bunch of them went on to their winter sports. And then we came back and we won it. And we got to go to Portland, Oregon. That was like so cool. And the girls still talk about it now when they, when they get a hold of me. So that was a neat life experience. Um, the next year, we lost some big girls. And we came back and we got second again. Um, and that was big. And then I actually left after that year because I had my son. And I was pregnant with my daughter. And so I decided at that point to... Um, to be a mom, which was really tough to do to walk away because I was defined as a coach, I feel like. And I walked away and was mom. And then I came here and I was just a teacher for one year. And I've never just been a teacher. So it was really weird that I was able to establish myself as a teacher was nice and then become a coach here, which was cool. But um, once again, here I had to build my program. Um, and I would say my low, and it's a weird low, but um, was actually coming here and it was, I'm going to go ahead and say it, it was a, a boys club of coaches um, I'm trying to say it um, and so I'm a pretty strong confident woman and I was not okay with that because I applied for the head girls job not an assistant job <clears throat> and so I had to really um, push that I was my own team my own program and I did get support from admin like you know, superintendent and principal but it was a struggle for a good three or four years I've had to um, push that this is my team I, I can I can do what I want and not you know, do what the boys do. And that's fine because there's different philosophies out there. But um, I would say, I think I heard a couple people say they're middle school. What I've gotten involved in here the last two years is my middle school. I've demanded that I am in charge of my middle school because if you look at all other sports, the head coach gets to um, control their middle school basketball. The head coach gets to control their middle school volleyball program and their feeder program. And they run their camp. So my middle school should be my program. And so this last two years, I pushed for that and I did get it. And so my middle school, I picked my coaches. Um, I talked to them about their workouts. I even write workouts. And so when they come to me now, like my five freshmen, they knew last year what was expected, if that makes sense. 
and they knew some pacing. They didn't know everything because you have to make middle school fun. But um, the middle school, that's what I think is going to propel us in the next couple of years is that now my middle school is actually following my program. Um, so, but that was my, my high was definitely the involvement after we, like my, it took six years um, and we went to the Nike regional. And then once again, being at the starting line and, and all these schools coming and calling us good luck, we had no idea who they were. Um, and that was cool. And then here at, at Lewis Cass, also we had, had a couple of really good girls and um, people asked like, where's Lewis Cass? You know, so it's neat when a runner puts the school on the map, you know, and not just baseball and football, but they find out, they go look at, you can tell them to look at a map, like where's Lewis Cass? And it's because of running. And that's kind of cool too. So those are highs. Um, yep. That's it. Where is Lewis Cass? <laughs> there you go. See? <laughs> so. Uh, it is halfway between Kokomo and Logansport. Okay. Uh, you know what that is? I don't know. So I'm about um, an hour and 20 minutes um, north of um, Indianapolis. And I'm about an hour and 40 minutes south of Lindsay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're a small yeah. school. I'm in the middle of Cornfield. I'm sitting in my school right now. There's Cornfield. <laughs> There's a gas station about half a mile away. Um, <laughs> to eat. Um, so yeah, so we don't have a lot what you guys have in terms of, I don't have a park, you know what I mean? Um, I have a two and a three mile loop that we run on. Um, we run on track a lot because I found that our grass was really hard. It's been so dry the last couple of years and we've yeah. had calf issues. So we've gone back to the track, which I didn't think I would do, but I, I am doing my workouts on the track now, a lot of them. So, yep. Cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that you did. That was, that was really good. There's a ton of really good stuff in there um last question before we move kind of to the meat of our our conversation we're already at an hour so that's great <laughs> um hope you guys didn't have plans tonight uh last question is what about coaching uh keeps you going when times get tough what how do you i don't know deal with it and what yeah what keeps you going i'll start Okay, this, can you hear me? Okay. Um, so yeah, like I think I've struggled a lot this, this year specifically, personally, um, with just, I think some personal issues. Um, and it's something I've dealt before I was coaching, even as a runner, like um, with just some, yeah, for what it's worth, depression and dealing with that as a coach um and that's been really challenging because that's difficult just as a person and you know trying to show up every day for your athletes has been really hard um but you know I've had people so I work at a running store currently um I'm a dietitian but this year left the school I was at and started to work at a running store and I've had a lot of people that just customers come in and all they'll ask me what I'm doing and I'll tell them about, you know, I coach and, and they're like, you know, you're just, um, you're a really good mentor for these young women. And I think that has been something that's really kept me going, um, is recognizing that even if it's difficult for me, um, that as a, you know, that I have a lot to offer to these young women, um, as a, as a runner and as a female and, 
And that's something that I try to think, keep going, you know, even sometimes if every day is difficult for myself that, you know, that these young women need a role model again, as a person, as a runner. Um, and that's helped a lot. So that's kind of, as a coach, what's helped me going. So. There we go. I'm not a virtual hug, virtual hug, Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I, I, cheers, cheers. um so i'll i'll go next um i i know my husband takes the brunt of my bad days so when i have a rough day coaching i usually vent to him and he is ultimately the most positive person i know and he always reminds me to focus on the kids who want to be there the kids who want to do the work regardless of where they are where they fall in your hierarchy um and sometimes I, I keep a spreadsheet of races and workouts and stuff and sometimes i'll just go and pull up the spreadsheet of races and i tell you what the kids at the back of the pack man they're just so damn inspiring <laughs> like i have kids who start out you know they're 31 minutes in a 5k and man they will drop a minute every race like I have kids who just show up every day with the best attitudes and the biggest smiles on their faces. And they're not, they're, they're not the most talented kids in the group, but they work so hard and just looking at, at their progression and how excited they are when they cross the line, even if they're in the last 10 people that come across the line in the race, when they come across the line and they, I PR'd by 45 seconds and they're just so excited. That sort of wipes away any other stress or drama or, you know, man, one of my top seven has got shin splints right now. What am I going to do? And I'm all stressed out. Like focusing on the kids who, who want to be there, who work hard every day, who have the best attitudes like that, just that kind of brings it all home to you at the end of the week. Like that's, that's the stuff that that's why you're there. You're there to kind of, bring everybody along on the ride. And, you know, sometimes you have a good day and sometimes you have a bad day, but it's funny that when you have your worst days, sometimes it's those kids at the back of the pack that are the happiest kids. And they're, they're just smiling and so happy to be there. And it just kind of wipes away any other stress or bad day. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Yes, you're right. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> I need to still go, Denise. I can I can go. I can bring out my my little folder of thank yous. This is what I get. So in it, I have so I've coached for a few more years than you guys. But mm -hmm. it's a struggle at first. But when when your kids graduate and they come back and tell you stories, so some of you guys, if you're three years out, you're not there yet. But four or five, six years, they'll come back and I you wonder like, did they get anything out of what I coached? But then they'll come back like I heard your voice when I was in that interview, telling me not to give up. And I knew I could do it because I kept hearing your voice yelling or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so it was worth it. But you, they'll tell you stories that you're like, okay, that meant something. Or, you know, just the life lessons that you taught in coaching, like meant something. But I keep all my letters. I keep everything in here. And actually my desk in my drawer, so it's in a bad day. I have some at home too. I just pull one out and I read it. I'm like, oh, yep, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and so, like, because like, you know what I mean? You got, it's called, it's called, thank you to read on a struggle bus day. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I have a jar of letters and the girls know I like letters so 
actually one of their coaches gets usually is to write a little letter, which I love. Like that means more than me than anything else. And I learn a lot from it. And I actually write them letters too. I, that's my, um, at the banquet, my seniors get a letter from me and I'll see them put their letter um, at their, at their graduation party. They put it out for other people to read. So I'm really big on that. I'm not a big hugger. I'm not a big, um, so like that, but I, I'm really good at, I feel like writing letters and put into words sometimes that way, but um, so yeah, you, you will make a difference and you, you are a good role model. Um, like we are like guys are good too. Like, no, yeah, Josh, <laughs> but um, it, girls have to see strong women as well. Like I usually keep my emotions and my, like I tell them to leave everything at the door, but sometimes you're human and it's okay to see you human as well. Um, because like they go through struggles. So I've had to even share personal stories with some of them who are going through some stuff to then let them know, like I have been through stuff myself. So I understand, but running is a great coping skill. You know, it's a great outlet. Um, and so no matter whether you go to college or anything else, you will have running for life. You know, I'm a basketball player too. And I was volleyball, but you know, I'm not going to go play basketball. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go run if I need to, to get let a coping skill. So, so running is a good thing to do for us as coaches on a bad day. And it's also good to, um, I would say surround yourself with other coaches you can vent to. So yes, Jill, our husbands are great, but I know my husband can only stand so much of running. So I have, I'm really lucky at like Lewis Cass. I have seven assistant women coaches for all volunteers and I can call any one of them up and be like, oh my gosh, like, and talk about practice or, you know, can you believe this? Or we have our little gifts and memes that we have in our group texts that are funny, sometimes not appropriate, but um, and so that, that's what gets me through some days is just that little text from another coach, you know? Um, and so I've had that here, I think, Going back to one of my lows, um, I actually lost a runner um, in 2008 to a drunk driver, and that was probably one of the lows I don't like to talk about. Um, I had to speak at her funeral, um, and if you coach long enough, somebody told me that it will happen. Um, I wish it didn't, but I did not want to speak at her funeral. I, I didn't want to do it, um, and I had another coach text me that day, what's difficult is sometimes necessary, and I still remember that quote because I use it a lot, even with my girls, so um, like we do make a big difference and that female connection and that those emotions that we understand is always helpful. So, so stick with it. And just to piggyback off of Denise, you know, I'm next in years of experience, you know, I'm kind of in between her. <laughs> um, it really is like those, those girls that you really made a difference in when they're older. I mean, some of them still call me and check in on me and tell me how life is. And, you know, they, they use my quotes that I use throughout the season, or they remember <laughs> things that I've taught them and they've told me about it. You know, that that's the big thing. And, you know, I try to teach them to be strong, successful females, you know, everything that they do in life. And they really, they really do take that, you know, and so when those low days happen, you know, for some reason, someone feels something that they need to send me a text to tell me, you know, something about them or how they appreciate something. But also, I think it's important as head coaches to have that your your assistant coach is so important for you. You know, that's the person that you probably besides your husband's because my husband doesn't know much about running. So he just listens to me. Um, but to have a good assistant coach to listen to you and to bring you back down, you know what I mean? And just help you work through what you're dealing with. Cause as a head coach, you have, you deal with more, you, you deal with the parents, you deal with everything that there is to deal with coaching um, that people don't realize outside of just training, training your team. 
um, the assistant coach is really, really huge to have. So that's definitely something my assistant coach who's my best friend since elementary school, you know, knows me and is able to help me through things. Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing all that. I don't know. I'm so thankful to be able to do this podcast. I feel like I, I don't know, get to be a fly on the wall or get front row seat to, I don't know, some amazing conversations. So I appreciate you guys sharing all that you did. All right, now we're going to move into kind of the meat of the discussion. So a lot of the, these questions surround uh, being a female coach and also coaching female athletes. So the first question is, could you kind of walk us through your experience as a female in the sport, uh, the pros, the cons, uh, maybe both as an athlete and a coach? Kind of a, a big question, so take it in any direction. <laughs> All right, I'll go. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> uh so don't hold back no yeah Uh, I mean as a as a female I mean I've been running since I was 10 I've never had a female coach ever I always had male coaches growing up I was a gymnast for a while and I had a female coach there but um other than that I've always had male coaches so um my daughter on the other hand who um she's a she swims in college and uh, she has had female coaches, which I think is interesting. Um, so just there's been sort of a little shift over the years of, um, of sort of female and male coaches. I will give you my perspective as a female coach who started um, in the high school realms coaching male sprinters. So that, that's a definitely an interesting thing. Um, I started as a volunteer at South and I, I kind of called Larry Williams and said, I want to coach. Can I volunteer? Um, and he gave me a group of boys. Um, he said, I have about 10 boys who run the 400. They need somebody to hold a stopwatch and keep their eyes on them. And, um, it was a really, it's, it's, you know, it's a group of sprinters who most of them were football players. And here's this woman walking in who's Phoebe's mom. (laughs) Why is Phoebe's mom here? Why is she coaching us? Um, and to sort of walk into that where these boys have never had a female coach, um, they don't really know, they see me as a mom and not as a coach. Um, so that it was that that whole first year going to track meets and sort of even indoor meets, being on the infield and getting watching the sprinters getting ready to run and looking around going, I am the only female sprint coach <laughs> at this meet. <laughs> this is weird. Um, and just sort of trying to trying to establish yourself as a coach when the people you're coaching have never had a female coach. Um, that it was really it was difficult and it was um, it was very challenging to not. Um, I mean, Larry Williams has been coaching for 35 years at South, and he can you know whistle and the boys turn around and they're they're with him. And I did not have that um, sort of respect or trust. Um, from day one and so having to sort of build that over a couple years and kind of pulling one athlete in at a time and sort of developing trust with upperclassmen who then you know the new freshmen come in and oh well yeah she knows what she's doing she's okay Um, so that was really interesting so then going from that to coaching girls um, to me seemed pretty easy because it was like okay, I, I want to be a role model for them. Um, they know what my background is in running. They can identify with that. Um, so that for me was a, it was an interesting and challenging experience to try to, you're sort of forced to 
gain their trust and build their respect. And they have no concept of you as an athlete or as a coach before you walk into that, that setting. Um, so that was challenging. And I, and I will say coaching, coaching boys and coaching girls is very different, but I had just as many boys cry as I think I did girls cry. <laughs> so just saying, <laughs> I think sometimes the boys are, are a little more emotional with you because maybe they see you as sort of more maternal um, and they would never cry in front of their male football coaches, but they're okay being emotional in front of a female. So there's that little difference, but that's just my little input. All right, I'll go. So, um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, it was very frustrating for me. Well, sorry, everybody. Um, sorry, everybody. Um, yeah, so I was a little surprised by the response I got at Westfield. Um, coming, I was an all-state athlete. I was one of the, I guess, top athletes to come out of Westfield. Um, I came back into coaching after running in the Olympic trials. And a lot of the male coaches did not respond well to me. And that was very difficult. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I was, I guess I was surprised. I thought they but would be excited to like have my experience and knowledge or anything. Um, and it was the exact opposite. Um, so yeah, it was very challenging as a first couple of years coming back and, um, as someone that had experience as a high school athlete and as also as a post-collegiate athlete, um, to have a bunch of men being very insecure about my experience. Um, and yeah, so that's been challenging. I would say it, ongoing challenging. And it's been a little better at Westfield since um, since a couple of coaches have moved on to different areas of coaching. Um, but otherwise, like it's been really difficult because I, I mean, Jill, you come in with a lot of experience, like we all come in with a lot of experience um, and I thought I was like, I was excited to come in with all of my running experience and thought that I would be met with, um, uh, I thought I would be met with, I don't know what the word is. Um, open, open arm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that was the opposite. Um, it was the exact opposite. Uh, so as a female coach, I feel like I've had to uh, not only come in with my experience as a runner um, and as an athlete and with just years of experience of running and whatever that um, that I've had to prove myself like um, and we'll continue to do that uh, year every year that I coach um, and it doesn't matter what I do that every year will be a new year and it doesn't <laughs> It's frustrating. Mm -hmm. I hope that some of you feel that. Um, 
And yeah, I'm pretty open about that. Um, that that's really frustrating to come in with so much experience. And I know Lindsay, I know Lindsay has experience. I know Denise has experience. I know Jill has experience. I know so many other females like that are coaching have that experience. And we will come in and as it's as if we've never existed as female athletes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid to share that. Yeah. There were times when I, the first year that I was coaching that I so did not want to stand there in front of the boys and say, here's my resume. Yeah. Like, like, here's what I've done. Um, but I think there were a couple of times where I said, Hey, look, like I know some stuff. <laughs> so like, give, give me a shot, but yeah, it is, it's a certain amount of sort of proving yourself and it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. I think may, I don't know. Do male coaches walk in and just sort of everybody just sort of believes that they know their stuff and they're, they're great. I don't know. Well, and I'll just to piggyback off of what you guys have said, it's not just as a female coach, the, the proving yourself to athletes is the parents, you know, yeah. my experience, some of the, the, the things I've had to deal with parents makes me wonder if I was a male, would, I, would a parent have talked to me like this? And the answer is no, they, they would not have addressed me that the way that they did but the dads addressed me a certain way that made me feel uncomfortable. And, and, you know, had I been a male, I know the situation would have been different because they would not have come to me that way. So like, I haven't had so many problems as a female athlete with um, my, my athletes because I kind of just come in and I lay it down and for, sorry, um, that's going to be on the podcast. Hopefully you can edit that part. Um, you know, I've been lucky in my past couple of years, both at Crown Point and Chesterton coming in and having supportive ADs and that seemed to work for me, but it's actually as a female, my, my difficult parts have been with the parents mm -hmm. and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Very fair, Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. I have no doubt if, and I've addressed my athletes as such is if a male coach had addressed them in a certain way, would they respect them differently? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the answer is yes. And my girls respond and they're surprised that I say that. Mm -hmm. And they are sometimes shocked that I say that. And they're sometimes shocked that I recognize that. And they, they recognize that they, they do respond to me differently as a female coach. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely correct about that. Yeah. I think, um, I think I'm lucky that like, here, and I guess my other school too, like I started at West Central where I was actually co-coaching with a male who was awesome. He immediately asked me um, what I knew and what I had to add and he trusted me right away. So my first experience with coaching was awesome. Um, it was Dwayne Dickensheets, that's his name from, from West Central. And he immediately wanted to use my information and we kind of co-coached the boys and girls. So I started with a great experience. I wish everyone else had that, um, I wish. And then I felt like Central, I also, um, I started as like with track because I was assistant cross country and I had a, a male coach, uh, Rudy Scruppa, and he actually shared a lot of workouts with me and he um, treated me like another coach, like another, you know, another dude. So it was really good. So I, I dealt with good experiences there. So I would have thought with going from two schools to having experience, same thing would happen here that I, my experiences would have been taken with open arms as well. Um, and I had to really prove myself again, but I really stand with your character will always pull through. And people will see it and the results will come because of that. So um, I'm lucky here that I have other coaches. Like when I, um, after a meet, I think I get a text from the football coach, the baseball, the uh, football coach, the basketball coach, um, 
the other coaches that are male and they'll ask how my how my team went uh, did which is really good so our girls team here is pretty good we've won county seven years so um we've gotten the respect from this i know it's only for area for county but we've gotten respect from the other programs and um the other male coaches really do respect our program here which is good it's taken time um now within my sport i'm not sure if i have the respect um here of like the coaches but um, with the other area schools, the male coaches in the area are awesome. They come and talk to me at my tent, um, at meetings. You know, you, have go, you get together for a coaches meeting before they will talk to you. Um, but it's taken time, you know what I mean? But here they opened me with open arms, the coaches in the area did. Um, I've had the respect of my superintendent here and my principal, they've helped me the most here. Um, so you really have to stick with what you believe in um, and, and fight the battles that you believe you should fight. You know what I mean? So, and parents, yeah, Lindsay, parents are difficult. Like Liskin was right. The better you get, the more parent problems you'll get. <laughs> and, uh, listen, shout out coach Hashel. Cause he's, <laughs> uh, Winamax coach Hassel is great. He'll come up and talk to me. Um, he makes me laugh. Um, because I'm a very serious on meet day and he comes and makes me laugh this way. So we're, we have a really blessed area here being a small school. Small co school coaches really do help each other here. So it's pretty neat. It's Mikey a Hanschel, state runner up back in what? Oh, one. Oh, two. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's so he's, he was a, a state runner up and also third and then also fifth in for three years. Yeah. Hopefully so, he's listening to this podcast when he, when it comes out. <laughs> he is listening. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he was one of the top finishers ever of all time. Coach Ashall from Winnemac. Um, yeah. He was a second, third and uh, fifth place finisher. He's one of the top finishers ever from Indiana cross country high school experience. Yeah, I think the year we had, um, we had one runner make it to, I think it was regional at the time, my first runner, and we didn't bring a tent, and it was raining, so we ran into his tent, and they let us stay in their tent, which was nice, and it was one of Max's tent with Hashel. <laughs> so, he was like, come on in! <laughs> so, yeah. I love it. Uh, it's interesting to hear you guys say this. I, I guess I maybe had the misconception that, like, being a female coach of females like that in my mind that like makes sense you know they'd want someone who's I don't know had experience walking down the path that they have walked but uh yep. I don't know I guess kind of a little disappointed to hear that there's yeah. been some pushback for some of you um, whether it be other coaches or parents and yeah yeah every two years uh in my two years I have addressed my female athletes and have confronted them on the fact that um, they have addressed me or I would just say disrespected me in a way that they would not have disrespected a, a male coach that has come prior. Um, that's been frustrating. Um, that's not something I expected. I was expecting the fact that with my background and it being female, that my female athletes would be uh, very receptive to me as being a female coach. Um, and that it's not been the case. Um, and it's been disappointing. Um, and it's been something I've had to do, adjust to, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine that's a, I don't know, a tough thing to figure out. But I appreciate you guys sharing that. Uh, okay, I got a, a question about coaching females. Um, 
So I feel like there's kind of this conception or misconception out there that like females improve rapidly. Maybe they're best as freshmen or sophomore, and then they kind of plateau while like males improve more linearly over time. Um, is there any truth to this? Like, why do you think this idea is out there? Um, and have you guys found any uh, ways to to direct and coach your team that's allowed your your athletes to improve over time year over year? I think that science is changing. If you look at this year, how many seniors for, for the girls side were in the top um, 20, look at our winner, you know, we have, I think people are figuring it out. I think through possibly weightlifting and other things, staying lean um, and training um, our, our seniors are doing really well. I know my um, best runner was a senior last year. Um, she was um, actually was an Indiana all-star. She had her best year, her senior year. But what she did is she did our weights class here at school. She joined the weights class and um, she also, uh, we got really big on iron testing here. If you guys do that, we test for iron. Um, I asked the girls to do that if they can, because I noticed they're anemic, that's important. Um, I also take a look at outside factors like eating, sleeping and other stressors um, because that does affect them. And maybe being a female, I can sometimes see the stressors affecting them more than a male could, but um, that affects them because if they're going to be super stressed, then they're not going to run very well. Um, and so I do kind of track that as well, but, um, I don't believe girls get worse as they get older. I think that they can get better if they train properly. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I would, I would add to that. I mean, I, I think in my notes here, I wrote that the kids who really wanted to improve found a way to improve, um, whether it was through strength training or better nutrition or sleep or better habits. We also are huge on iron right now. So I think in my, out of 26 girls on the team this year, I had 14 on iron supplements. And we, we make sure that we're trying to institute like when summer conditioning starts, you go get tested um, so that we can get on that right away. Um, uh, I feel like my assistant coach Missy and I are kind of the iron whisperers now because we can sort of tell you get into like late August and all of a sudden you got people who are falling off and they're, they're dragging in practice and they're exhausted and they're not recovering and we have them go get checked and sure enough, their ferritin is in the basement. So we've been really, really on top of that this year, which I think has helped a lot of kids. Our struggle with that is that they will take the iron supplement through the season and then they will stop. And then we will start track and we will go through the same cycle again. And so that's been, that's been difficult, but, but overall, I, I do think the kids who, who want to improve and who have goals beyond high school, they want to run in college, they, they find a way to keep improving and, and they, they do the little, we talk about this all the time. They do the little things correctly each and every day, every season, and they still, they continue to improve. And I find the kids who kind of, kind of peter out, they, they've lost interest maybe, or they've got other things going on, or they're doing other sports, or they've decided that running is not their passion anymore. Um, but the kids who it's their passion and they want to do it, they find a way to keep improving. Um, to piggyback off of both Denise and Jill, that, that, that's exactly it. You know, that's, it's totally a misconception about female athletes. And it is, it's, what are they willing to do to make themselves better? Just like the male athletes, what are we all willing to do to make ourselves better? Because it's not just the training, it's the stuff outside that you're going to do too, to get you there. 
and you know, I've had seniors who have, who have thrived, you know, Bailey Ranta, for example, and Catherine White from last year, they improved every single year. Catherine went from a 24 minute five care her freshman year to the, to 1858 to now running a 1745 her freshman year of college. She's dedicated, right? And I really do think it comes down to that. And then you have, you run into your girls as they get into juniors and seniors, they, they make other choices, you know, and running isn't for them and that they're just doing it because they want to do it and they want to be a part of something. So it really comes down to how bad they want it, you know, and how much they're willing to put in the work outside of practice to get there. That's my opinion. Uh, and I, how much do you, like with, with our, some of our juniors and seniors, uh, we've, again, it's been a, only a couple of years, but definitely have been like an intentional choice to increase mileage of juniors and seniors um, to try to get them to like, you know, to try, I think try to compensate some of the, the changes they've had physically. Um, does anybody have like a specific mileage increase that they would have for some of those girls, like juniors and seniors specifically to, I think to, again, accommodate some of those changes that they've had physically? I, I try to increase a little bit, I do. Um, I, and I try to increase the intensity a little bit. I don't know. Lindsay, you probably have more like with Bailey. Um, and what's, what was your other girl's name that went from 24 to 18? Catherine. Yeah, you, know. you probably have better. I mean, for them, yeah, like I, I tweaked, I changed with their mileage, you know, they, by their senior year, they were doing some double runs, but they weren't getting above like 40 much. Yeah. Um, but the intensity of their workouts and pushing them a little bit more. And when we were going out for runs and stuff, I would be more poor pace oriented for them. You know, they really seem, seem to like that, but I'm, I'm big into weightlifting. I mean, we hired a strength coach a couple of years ago and man, have we seen differences, not just in our runners, but in all of our sports, we've seen dramatic, drastic, drastic changes in all, I don't know what I was just saying there, drastic changes, <laughs> all of them for, for the better, you know, big time injury prevention kind of thing. So I think that on top of that, they're just changing their workouts has been huge for them. And now in college, they're doing lifting and stuff like that. So they're prepared for all this stuff. So. Absolutely. Uh, another question along kind of similar lines, but there's also the conception out there, possibly misconception that female runners can't handle as much as male runners. Uh, is there any truth to that? And what are your thoughts on, on that? <laughs> <laughs> just laughter. Oh, just laughter. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, there's, I mean, sure, there's an extent to 5K training. Um, well, I don't know. As a marathon, like, for high school training, yes. I mean, I think there's a limit. Um, beyond that, for marathon or post-marathon training, I disagree entirely, but, uh, for the spoke, like for the, for the topic of high school training, I mean, yeah, sure. There's, I mean, I think we would agree probably most high school girls should probably stay between 30 and 40 miles a week, 40, 40 miles, 45 miles a week, maybe, but I don't know. Does anybody else have any thoughts on that? So the, the first year that I took over at South, I kind of looked at coach Williams program for the boys and, I, I immediately, and I think this is just from my background in running 800s, I immediately looked at it and went, whoa, that's a lot. Um, and I tried to like imagine what that would feel like, 
And uh, I, I just felt like for the girls that I had that particular year and then the two years since then, I just don't think that they were ready to handle that kind of mileage. Now, our, our top girl this year, um, Lily Myers, is you know one of the top kids in the state. Um, she can handle more mileage, but I would look at the rest of them and go, uh-uh. So it's very, I think it's very individualized. And again, with, with the freshmen coming in from middle schools where they did not run very much at all, I would, would be super hesitant to throw them into a higher mileage program. So I think it just depends on the kids that you have. Um, but my background is more on the shorter end. So I just kind of looked at that program and said, I just don't think our girls can handle that. I, I agree with that too, Jill. You know what I mean? Like I coach Ray, you know, he's, he recently stepped down, but he was the coach here at Chesterton, one of the assistants. And, you know, we talk training and he does you know, more reps in his intervals, eight times one K. And, you know, I just don't think mentally the girls could handle it. I think physically they possibly could, but what's the benefit of, you know, having them do that many repeats, you know, it's yeah. all just kind of different stuff. You know, I did eight times one K in high school, but you know, back in the nineties and early two thousands, we just, we didn't know as much about, you know, yeah. we didn't have the same resources that we have now and know different things that we can do. So I definitely think there's definitely a different and how you can train the high school girl a little bit, you know, just, you got to be a little bit more delicate for some of them, but Jill, like your Lily girl, like Bailey was the same way. I probably could have thrown 50 miles at her and she would have been fine. I just, I knew she wanted to run in college. And that's the other thing you have to take into perspective. These girls that want to run in college. Okay. You want them to perform well in college. You want them to get better. So if you're running them at this insane high mileage, how much better are they going to get when they get to college, when they're running the same mileage? You know, so you want to think outside of just what can they do with me at high school? You want to think about if they are serious about college, what they can do then too. Yeah. I also think that some of the old, um, maybe not the old, the um, old traditional trainings were high mileage. Would you agree, Lindsay? Like some, I don't know if you're a coach like that. Like that's when I came to Lake Central, a lot of the, I, I hit some parent um, pushback because I wasn't high mileage because that was the thinking and the, that was the belief but there's different philosophies and that's okay. Um, I know I'm a low mileage person, but high mileage could be okay if it's good for that girl. You know, like there's, if, if you have a girl that um, wants to run every day, then that probably is best for her, you know? But um, like, I don't know. I, I think the girls can handle what the boys handle, except for like individual. If you have a girl that's injury prone, absolutely not. You know, if you have a girl that, um, that you're trying, like I have a couple of girls that are on the team who are really good, but they don't love running. So I'm going to kill, I'm going to, they're going to lose their luck for running if I make them run too much. So it, it just depends, I feel like. Yeah. I love you guys' uh, like highly personalized approach to coaching. I think that's that's super important. Uh, okay, a couple of, of questions that definitely aren't easy, and I appreciate you guys being willing to, to take a stab at these. Um, the next one is about diet. Uh, it's obviously a super complex, important topic. Um, and it definitely affects, you know, both males and females, but probably a little more prevalent amongst female athletes. Um, so is this a, a topic that you guys cover with your athletes? Um, do you have any words of, of wisdom for someone who maybe is struggling to find that, that healthy relationship with diet? Um, yeah. So any, anything relating to the subject that you guys want to bring up would be awesome. I'll go. Oh, or the dietitian could go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let the dietitian go and then I'll see what she okay. says. 
Yeah, I'm okay. So I'm a registered dietitian. Um, this is tricky because I see a lot of athletes that are struggling. And as a coach, I have to be careful of my boundary. Um, I, when I'm coaching, I'm not a dietitian and that's hard because I understand the relationship with eating and food and running and all of it. But when I'm coaching, I'm not a dietitian and that's very difficult. Um, so as a coach, I have to approach eating as like a very generalized topic and I very much encourage, like, if anything, I go the extreme of overeating, of um, of sometimes unhealthy eating. Like, you know, we have pizza at events, or I bring donuts for dip, like, like for a morning run, and I want to have. It it almost seems unhealthy, but. I don't talk numbers. I also like very much encourage just fueling, fueling the body, whatever, in whatever capacity that is, because for so many of our high school athletes, it's, um, they're under fueling and they're so extreme in like this healthy perspective. And it's, it doesn't make sense sometimes, especially as a dietitian. Um, but I have to be very careful. Um, of how I'm approaching my athletes. And um, when it comes to a girl that might have an, a disorder that I recognize, um, unfortunately, I have to refer them to a counselor um, because it's not my place at that point, unfortunately, to address the situation, um, even if it's something I recognize or I'm very capable of handling as a dietitian. Um, as a coach, it's very different. And we, yeah, we just try to encourage um, fueling and we encourage all foods are okay. I have pizza, I have donuts, I have all kinds of things at my events. And I want girls to know that it's okay to eat any of those things. And if that's an extreme one way, I prefer it other than the other. So I guess if that makes any sense. I'll go. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I've been on both ends as an, as an athlete. I've been the athlete that has eaten everything and anything and have been labeled as a larger runner back in the day and was still successful. And then, you know, in college, I was borderline having eating disorders because in my mind, I thought the thinner I was, the faster I could run. Um, you know, so I've kind of experienced all of those things. And, you know, on, on my team throughout the years, I've, I've had girls with eating disorders and, you know, the parents haven't noticed. And I'm one of the, the coaches that notice and, you know, the athletic trainer. So working with the girls on that, you know, but I, at my parent meetings, I kind of just talk about the importance of fueling and, you know, treating our bodies like Ferraris and putting in good stuff and you can have, have the bad stuff, but you know, moderation. So I have no problem talking to them. Now I'm not sitting here telling each of the girls that they need to eat X, Y, and Z to be able to do ABC. Um, but if they come to me and they're saying they're feeling sluggish, you know, I, you know, ask them just about their nutrition and try and figure out if that's a component or if it's the ferritin levels. Cause as we know with females, that's another problem. So, you know, I, yeah, I tread lightly, but at the same time, like I talked 
I cover the holistic approach, everything that's around them, you know, so just trying to be important and having that open relationship with them about it. And they, if they want more about nutrition and stuff, I have no problem sitting down and talking to them about it. Cause you know, they're instigating that conversation, which they usually do with me. So, um, it's not me being like, you gotta, you know, I don't do that kind of stuff with them. So I have no problem talking to them a little bit if they approach me about it. I think it's great. And then Lindsay, you're going to have those relationships and you're in that, like in that experience, you're the, you're, you are the expert. Like you've lived it. You, you have the knowledge, like you are the expert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go, we, we do a, a brief talk at camp in the summer and I, I don't get into the nitty gritty of stuff, but we talk about, you know, having a healthy diet. Um, and not, you know, this is not the time to be counting calories or to be cutting down on stuff like you're fueling. I always use my daughter as an example. As a swimmer, she probably eats about 4,000 calories a day. She fuels like a linebacker. Um, but it's, it is so she can be in the pool four hours a day. And so we, we talk about that, that you, you have to fuel properly in order for your body to be the Ferrari and to do what it needs to do. And I do have a lot of kids. I had a, I had a few this year who were very health conscious and very low carb, um, high protein uh, stuff where it was like, okay, look, you have to have some fuel in there. You have to be able to come to practice in the afternoon and, and have some fuel in there to use. Um, Cause we had a few kids that were bonking at practice. And if you have not had any carbs from the moment you wake up until you walk into practice, you are not going to be functioning. And so we had to we had to talk about that a little bit, but we also like we do donuts Friday, donuts Friday morning, the day before the state meet. And, you know, we have team dinners where they we just kind of open it up. You, you eat what you're comfortable with. We we had team dinners. We used to have team dinners Friday night before the meets. And we've gone to Saturday after the meet for the team dinner so that they can eat whatever they want. And there's no, well, oh, you know, they're getting all kind of weird about what they're eating the night before. So we just talk about healthy fueling the night before. And I send out sort of a nutrition overview and I just give them examples of here's a healthy breakfast. Here's a healthy lunch. Uh-oh, I'm losing battery. Uh-oh. I'll be back. I'm losing battery. <laughs> uh, I give examples of like healthy breakfast, healthy lunch. Here's some good snacks and, you know, eat what your parents make you for dinner. Don't ask for anything else. Um, the problem I do get sometimes is that the kids don't eat healthy at home. Their parents don't eat healthy. And so I've got kids who tell me they don't drink milk because it's not in the house. Um, so that that's that's sometimes an issue. Um, for the most part, our kids eat pretty well. But yeah, it is just kind of encouraging fueling and making sure that we're not counting calories. We're not out here to lose weight. We're here to, to run and perform. Jill, I was just piggyback off you and Denise, then I you can chime in. You know, the thing I've kind of noticed is that the girls don't eat and eat enough, you know, no. they skip breakfast, you know, and breakfast is extremely important because then by the time they eat, they're going 14 hours without eating. And, you know, at that point, that's, it's not doing any good for you, you know, and then they come to practice and they're wondering why they're having a hard time with the workout. Well, that's because they decided to have Cheez-Its and a water for lunch. And that's, you know, that's just not enough. So it's like educating them on like, you know, I think it's important because like you said, Jill, if the parents aren't providing them with the right food, that's what they've grown up with. They, they don't know yeah. any better. And if they didn't pay attention in health class, you know, they really didn't take away what health class has to offer on the nutrition units, um, mm -hmm. you know, as 
female athletes and coaches, I think we can provide them with that kind of education to help set them up to be successful um, with their nutrition because that is an important component too. Sorry, I'm rambling. Denise. You're good. No, I agree. Um, I have a, like, I teach her at school, so it's nice. I'm this is six to 12, 12 building and I'm eighth grade. So I have a snack drawer in my room. Um, I also have waters and um, like they know they can stop by anytime, which is also good for me to also watch emotionally how they're doing when they stop by once a day. So that helps as well. So it's kind of a two for one and they can stop by and get a snack. I can kind of see how they're doing so I can shut or help out with something before practice starts. But the snack drawer helps uh, water. I, I get so mad when I ask the girls how many waters they've had during the day and they give me one of these and I'm like, what? Like, how do you think? You, know, you better not give me one finger. You better give me. And so we really work on water consumption and rehydration. Some get like drip drop and things they put in their water for hydration because some don't get enough electrolytes. Um, but food, I agree. They don't eat enough. Food. I don't. Um, and I don't think some, most of them aren't doing it intentionally either. They just don't eat enough food. Or sometimes, honestly, I don't know where you look. My girls don't have some food at home that they need. Like mac and cheese might be all they can eat for dinner. So um, I try to have a pasta party every week if possible. We've done ours on Thursdays or Fridays. Um, and then we have talked about this year adding on like a, a meal prep day type thing. We might start doing it during the summer once or twice to kind of talk about like chicken and pastas and because they just don't know what they don't know. Um, yeah. And so, and I, and nothing against some of my parents, but I don't think they know either. And that's okay. So we can maybe try to educate them a little bit because it will help if they could eat more you know, and eat better. And I agree. They need, they need the donut. They need the pop chart. They need the, they need to eat that. So, um, I don't think it's intentional once in a while I'll get one that is, and I immediately tell the parents, um, because I feel like they need to know. Cause a lot of times, like Lindsay said, they don't know. And mm -hmm. so then the parents, um, help them. The girls on the team, if you have good relationships, will tell you, cause I usually find out from the girls and they know how I am about taking care of yourself. So I've had to sit a girl from practice for not eating lunch because I'm really big on you have to fuel yourself like you have to so so yeah that's it's it's really important so um, another a question I guess kind of they, they kind of tie together go along similar lines but relating to to body image um, another issue that may be a little bit more prevalent with female athletes um, is this something that you guys talk about with your athletes and you have any wisdom for someone who uh, maybe doesn't have the healthiest relationship with their their bodies we, we focus a lot we talk a little bit about um I, I talk a lot about being strong like you're strong I don't talk about you know oh you oh you look so thin today like that's never that's never anything we talk about but we always talk about how you know, you look strong and, and we're doing strength training to make you strong and stable and healthy. Um, so it's more about a sort of a strong, healthy outlook, I think, that I try to push. Um, we, I mean, I've only been there for three years as a head coach. We don't really have a lot of um, a lot of dietary stuff going on or a lot of eating disorders that I see. I mean, that could be happening in the background that I don't see. Um, for the most part, I feel like the girls feel really good about themselves because there's a lot of skin showing all the time and they seem quite proud of that. So I, I feel like they, they feel good about themselves because they, they are eager to show that I may be wrong. Um, but yeah, we definitely just focus on, on being strong and healthy. 
like, I don't know, maybe it's just over the years, I feel like body image has changed just with how fashion has changed. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, girls are definitely more confident in themselves. That's what I feel like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I see what the girls on the team wear outside of school and I'm like, good for you. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> I just didn't have a lot of confidence in myself and my body image in high school and to mm-hmm. see that confidence, you know, and I think our sport helps with that too. You know, we provide that confidence for them. And I think they have confidence all around in themselves as a whole, which I think goes a long way too. my opinion. Yeah. I, I think I've had a lot of girls. Um, I have girls come out that aren't runners previously and they come out and they feel better about themselves later because they usually get toned. Um, mm-hmm. They usually get fit, you know, if they're running. So I think they felt find that, that running is a good, it helps your body image. Um, I agree that my girls are pretty confident based on what they wear. Um, so, yeah, that's all I can say. Yep. Yeah, these are these are especially tough issues. I think especially with with eating, like it's something that like, you can't get away from. You can't like not eat. Obviously, like it's something you have to face every time, like three times a day at least. Um, and it's a, just such a highly personal issue. Um, I've had some some people in my life that have like struggled with the, with the eating disorders, and I don't know. It's tough to see someone go through that, and yeah, it's a very personal and very I don't know unique issue to to each person. But I appreciate your guys's uh, input on that. I know it's a delicate topic. Uh, a few more questions for you. Uh, next would be, what advice would you give young female coaches just starting out? Denise, you're gonna go first. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> I, um, Lindsay hit beginning, and I, I want to go back. Nate. Like, you need a um, a loyal assistant coach. Like, number one, I think that's the most important thing. Um, or like when I started, I had a male that I worked with, and we were like each other's assistant. But at Lake Central, I had Ann Downey, and she was a loyal assistant. Um, I could vent to her. She was my whole. It didn't go anywhere else. Um, and she also was good to throw back ideas on. Um, you also have to be willing to talk to others. Um, and find out what works for them. So, um, and you have to be willing to change and adapt. Cause if you do the same thing, if I did the same thing that I did at like central here, it wouldn't have worked. Like you have to, and every year, I think a couple of you guys have said that you've had to change a little bit every year um, to fit your girls. So get a good assistant, um, loyal, has to be loyal. And then um, go to clinics, go talk to other coaches um, and um, constantly try to get more information because the science out there changes. Um, and also I know I'm really big on what helps my girls with running is I'm really big on team bonding stuff. So we do one fun team bonding thing a week and it takes me research to look up stuff, but we'll do that. And the girls, um, that's what I think why the big team is because the girls come out because it is fun sometimes. Um, like running is hard, but I try to make it fun through a game a week of something, whether it be during homecoming week, we took 10 minutes and each class, um, made a homecoming dress with a toilet paper. And it was hilarious. They laughed for 10 minutes and we went out to practice. So find a way to have fun because it has to be fun because especially with COVID, they have to want to go to practice and they have to enjoy it. And then once you get in there, want it, then they'll become passionate. So um, that's what I have to say. You know, I agree. When you, when the girls talk about, they love cross country, right? Because over track, most of them do, because they love the team component. 
it's a smaller group. And then when you get to the track team, you've got 16 events coming together as one team. And with cross country, you're just focusing on that one race. And, you know, Denise, I'm right there along with you. Team building is huge. You know, first day of conditioning practice, we do team building stuff. You know what I mean? And the other thing that I think besides having an assistant coach for the younger coaches is really reaching into the seniors, or if you do leaders or captains or whoever it may be, really setting that tone with them because at the end of the day, it's kind of their team, right? They're, you want, I want my girls that are the captains or seniors, that, that's their team. How do they want to leave their legacy when they leave Chesterton? You know, so really as a young coach, you know, that's something I kind of focused on and I still do is making sure the seniors are fully bought in and, you know, are your many, many coaches too, I think is important. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll echo the, the assistant coach. I have uh, Missy Williams as my assistant coach and she is Larry Williams wife. So I kind of, kind of roped her in cause I knew she was going to be at all the meets anyways. Um, and she, she is phenomenal. She's very, if you know, Missy, she's very soft-spoken. Um, and she and I come from different backgrounds. She ran 5,000, 10,000 in college. I ran 800. Um, but we just seem to have a like mind when it comes to training and I can bounce stuff off her and she's got ideas and um, just to find someone who, who you really connect with, um, who her strengths are my weaknesses and my strengths are maybe her weaknesses. And so we, we get along really well that way. I will tell you um, at this past state meet when it, that we did not have the day that we wanted to have at the state meet. And I had to walk away from the tent a couple of times afterwards because I was trying to like don't cry in front of the girls, everything's fine. And I would come back to the tent and she would, she was there saying, we did everything right. We did everything right. We did everything right. Everything's good. So she's, she's really kind of my, my sounding board for stuff. And she's been super supportive. And then her husband, Larry, I mean, gosh, I, I am chewing his ear off all the time about what do you do? What do you do about this? And what do we do about this? And what are your thoughts on this? And so just having really good people around you that you trust and you respect um, helps a ton. And then I just also think coming in as, as a younger coach, just be confident. And this is, this is to Whitney, be confident in what you know, like, you know, what you know, from all your experience, right. And you have that to give and share and um, just be confident that, you know, your stuff. And that you're, you're going to find athletes who are like, she knows her stuff. Like, and then, and then, and then they all kind of come along, but um, just being confident in what you know and, and your strengths and what you bring to the program, I think is important. And I think to your point, uh, Jill is like, I have a phenomenal female assistant who um, she's great with like logistics and statistics and helps me tremendously in so many ways. Um, but I am looking for to what you're to what you said is a balance in like I'm still looking for a coach. Um, and this is no secret. Like I'm looking for a coach that can balance me in the sense of like being able to talk training and being able to kind of like communicate with some of those like basically to balance it, me in some ways. Um, and I've talked to Coach Liskin in this way. And um, so Coach Liskin actually, those that don't know, he will probably be joining my staff again in a couple of years as his daughter is a freshman in two years, um, which is exciting. So it's it's very full circle that I will at some point coach Coach Liskin's daughter and he coached me 
from my sophomore to senior year. Um, but in between that time, like I'm definitely looking for an assistant coach that will help guide me in more of my training aspects. Um, again, I'll coach Paddington. She's a teacher at Westfield. She's amazing. And she's my stats person. She's my logistics person. Um, but I'm definitely still like kind of seeking someone that can balance me in terms of training and, mm-hmm. and guide kind of like guide me or balance me in that way. Um, I guess to your Jill, to your point in that, like in that respect. Yeah, I think that's really good advice to have a, a strong and solid assistant coach. Um, I hope Colin doesn't listen to this podcast. I'll be getting fired soon. Um, what <laughs> advice would you give females trying to break into the into the coaching space? So not females, you said, right? Yeah. Females, okay. When you say like Lindsay worked under like Patty, try to work under a good coach. Yeah, that would be good. Like you guys, I mean, if you work under a good mentor, I think that would be good because I started under a couple of people like or with somebody, so you can mentor with somebody first and then go there unless you're ready right away. I, I you know, I completely agree with that. You know, Patty was great to mentor under. You know, and when I think back to my early earlier years, I. Personally, I think I took over as a head coach for track too early. I mean, it was my second year being, you know, in a coaching role and I wasn't ready to be a head coach of the track program, but they needed a coach. So here I was, and, you know, I, I, I stayed afloat, but at the same time, I think there was still, I needed a few more years and, and maturity wise, cause I was 24 years old. I'm 39 now. So I've learned a few things in my, in my years and I, you know, I think it's really important, like Denise said, if you can be an assistant coach before you you hop into a head coach, because it, mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's different, you know, and it's a, it's a different responsibility that you probably, it's not just coaching, you're dealing with uh, the managerial part of it and the parents and the fundraising yeah. and all that kind of stuff that you don't realize we do that takes a lot of our time. And, you know, so yeah, definitely agree with you on that, Denise. Mm-hmm. You've done a great job. Oh, compliments tonight Whitney no no I've been very fortunate uh to be an assistant for several years um under coach Soskin and under coach Albert at Westfield um before I took over head coaching position and um as a female like as a female I would say be strong in your position, like own your, own your experience, be confident in what you know, and, and own that and be okay with that. Like there are going to be men that are insecure in their position and that's okay. And you have to be confident in what you know and, and be confident in your experience because you have that experience and maybe they don't and that's okay. And those young women that you're coaching um, and maybe young men, like they they know that and they respect that and be confident in that even if people above you are not so my thoughts did everybody answer jill did you i, know? I answered i didn't answer um okay i i, I volunteered first before i started <laughs> so i could kind of like get sort of a an an idea of what i was getting into um 
So I, I think that's a good idea. I mean, that it, it was beneficial to me, especially at South, I volunteered and I got thrown on the boy side, which I was not expecting. I fully expected to be pushed onto the girl side and I, and I got picked up by the boy side, which was a, an amazing experience for me. And just to, to be able to watch Larry Williams coach um, was, was awesome. So yeah, volunteering first is great. And then um, yeah, just being an assistant to someone who really has their, as their act together, I think is important. Um, and I would say, this is to go off that, I have a lot of good male coaching friends that I like to talk to, to like, like, you know, if I do get emotional about something or something, I'd say, hey, what does he mean by this or whatever? Or even my husband tells me to take the emotion out of it and think like a man sometimes. But anyway, um, so sometimes it's good to have a male coaching friend also to just run things by as well, I feel like. Um, because you need that. So I would add that to that. Make mm -hmm. sure you surround yourself with male and female coaching friends mm -hmm. to um, get advice from. That's awesome. For those that are, uh, sorry, one last thing, you know, for those that are listening, you know, when you listen to the us four coaches, we, we each have had a different journey and different, mm -hmm. different experiences. But the thing that we've all kind of shared is that we've had, we've had someone, you know what I mean, that we can connect with. And I think that's kind of, the important, the important thing when you're wanting to come in is having that circle, circle of trust almost, you know what I mean, to help mentor you and help you through. And whether you're new or you're going to be the head coach or the assistant coach, you know, surround yourself with people that are supportive and that you can trust and work well with. That's really good. I think that's true of, of just of life in general. Um, I think I'm older than all of you, but I found that to, from this life of wisdom that I've had, um, I found that to be true. It's just, I don't know, I feel like Obviously, I'm not that old, but the more life that I live, it's just, it's really all about relationships when it comes down to it. Like when you really think about what, what matters, even when we're talking about coaching, I feel like all of you mentioned, like it's those moments, maybe it's the letters that are written to you or the the conversations you've had, but it's all about relationships. All right, we got two more questions. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, <laughs> what advice would you still give? listening to the whole podcast. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm still listening to the whole podcast. Yeah, for you two people <laughs> out you. there. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give male coaches of female athletes? Maybe some things that they'd be maybe short-sighted about um, as males. Yeah, any advice would be awesome. I'll go, I think. Um, I, I kind of, you know, think it's important, even I think as female coaches, we need to remember like, what these kids are feeling and experiencing, even though we might be like, this doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a big deal to them. Right. You know what I mean? And I step back into my elementary school counselor mind. And when a kid is having a, he's upset about something, it's a big deal to that kid. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think as a coach, male, female, it's important to realize that whatever these kids are going through, that's something important to them and that we need, we need to be patient and help them through that process because since COVID Life has just kind of been, <laughs> I, you know, all of us sitting here have probably realized we've become more of mental health counselors at times, you know, and I think that's yeah. important to continue to have, um, you know, for these kids and, you know, male coaches, you know, maybe coaching boys is a little bit different and sometimes females, we can, you know, be a little bit on the more emotional side from time to time, but just being patient and, you know, understanding and listening and empathetic, I think is the big thing with coaching girls. 
Yeah, I agree with emotions. I think um, I definitely have since COVID been a little more, not like softer, but um, I, um, we've even had a time where like, I realized the girls were all struggling and we have like a couple people crying for no reason. And I'm like, what is going on? There's no crying in cross country. But anyway, so we find out what's going on and, and it sounds like they all have tests coming up, something like that. So we've had a couple practices run two miles and we have homework study tables because everyone is so stressed that they can't, I mean, they can't even have a good practice. So at that point we have to stop what we're doing and, and adjust because of their emotions. Or I have a girl I can tell a senior that is about ready to melt down. So I just need to send her home and, and she doesn't need to practice today because she just needs a mental health day. And I don't know if I would have done that before. Um, when I first started coaching, I think I would have gone, nope, you're staying at practice. You're supposed to be here. And now I really read them. And I think, I hope males do that too. Like you really have to read your girls. Um, and you, if they need a day, then they might need a day and they'll come back tomorrow and they'll give you a hundred percent more just because you saw that they were hurting and you actually um, took some time to understand them. And you got to talk to them. Like you have to take time to talk to them. So even if you have to stay after practice and so forth to talk to them because those emotions do matter how they run. So if they have extra stressors, they won't run well. Like I, they really won't. So, and then, then they'll, they'll run harder for you as a coach because they know you care. So, yeah. You know, I, to piggyback off of that, I feel like after practice is when I get the most conversations out of the girls that, cause they'll yeah. stay back and they'll just talk and they'll, they want you to listen and they want to tell you what's going on with, in life and they don't want to tell their parents, but they need an adult <laughs> perspective. So they want, they want to hear it from you. You know what I mean? And I really think that's helpful for, for the girls because, you know, they just, they need to have that person that they know they can tell things and they can trust and will help them through that process. And Denise, I agree. I think since COVID it's, it's my attitude and my perspective on things has changed. You know, I was a little bit more hardcore and now I've kind of realized, okay, I've got to back off a little bit on some things because I think the mental health aspect is really, um, you know, we've seen it with social media and stuff has really started to come in and stuff. So I think that's important to consider. Uh, something like for sure we, we do is, uh, oh, can you hold on? Oh, be muted yourself. <laughs> Muted yourself. <laughs> Went the they wrong way. Yes. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think something I look at specifically is definitely their like their cycles and um <sighs> you know, and we talk openly about that. And I understand that it, that's definitely something that a male coach might not be comfortable with. And, but we, we did, we talked about it and, um, because it's important and you get a lot of girls that are struggling at certain points and, um, you know, a certain workout might not go well. And it's important for them to understand that their training can change depending on their, you know, depending on their cycle. And they're so hard on themselves already that, it's good for them to understand that maybe there's a reason why I work. It didn't go so well. And, you know, and we talk about that. Um, so I think, you know, that's important and that's, and that's difficult as a male, I think sometimes as a male coach to address um, specifically. And, um, but I think it's really important. And, and there's sometimes even like a, a sectional or a regional or a semi-state when you might have certain girls that are all lining at the same time and 
Yeah. And that's, a, that's a challenge. Um, you have to kind of, I think, consider that as a coach, um, specifically as a female coach, that, that those things might happen. And, um, you know, and I think it's, it's certainly a little bit easier for us to address than it might be for a male coach to yeah. those things. Yeah. I, ha I can, I can talk about that a little bit. I do. I it's always, it always starts at the beginning of the season. Usually it's track season. It's not cross country, but usually in track season, I will get um, an email from a random girl. I can't come to practice today because I have cramps, um, <laughs> which I typically then have a conversation with the team about, um, you know, half the population has to deal with this. Um, and it's, it's not the end of the world. And there are brain surgeons and rocket scientists and people who do crazy important jobs who also have to deal with this and they don't get to take a day off when they have cramps. And uh, I do tell them it's, I don't know, you probably want to like delete this from the podcast. <laughs> so I, I, I ran the Boston Marathon 4,000 years ago and the day of the marathon started my period and uh, spent the morning in the athletes village in the porta pot. And at about mile 22, um, poured a cup of water over my head because it was really hot. And that water washed everything that was in my shorts out of my shorts. And at about mile 23, I heard, and you know, at mile 23, there's like, it's your 10 deep in the, in the people cheering. And I heard some guy say, oh my God, look at that poor woman. And I knew it was, I looked down, it was not good. <laughs> and I ran for like the next aid station and took a little 10 minute break and cleaned up and then continued to the finish line. And so I, and I told the girls, I was like, it's the Boston Marathon. You think I'm going to not run like all the work that you put in to be there. And so if I can do that, if a brain surgeon can go and do surgery, if an astronaut can go up into space, you can come to practice. It's just <laughs> practice, right? And it's, it's not the end of the, and like, I have equipment in my bag for you if you have an emergency. And um, so we, we try to talk about it as openly as we can so that they're not embarrassed by, um, hey coach, can I go into your backpack and get some stuff? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, but yeah, we try to talk about cramps are not a reason to not come to practice. And usually you feel better when you start moving and being active. But I think to be able to talk openly about it is something that female coaches can do that I could not see some male coaches I know having that same conversation. Josh so, is regretting this, this question right now. Yes, I am. Yeah, I was about to say, I hope people listen to the end because that was, that was worth it. That was quite a story. They all usually set this together. So the whole team is usually, you know. Cycling, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Very yeah. emotional together. Yes. <laughs> Jill, I ran my uh, Chicago Marathon PR, like all my period. So, yeah. It happens. Happens. it happens. And it's not like you're not going to run it because, oh, crap, guess what? This is happening. Like you put all the work into it. You just go do it. It's just, you know. So just another day at the office. So I think but when I tell them that story and they all laugh, then it's like, okay, we can talk about this. They can come and tell me, hey, I'm having a day. Yeah. Do you have any Advil? And I'm like, yes, I do. Here you go. <laughs> Josh, you're really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> What'd you say? You're really uncomfortable right now, aren't you? <laughs> well, I have, I have two younger sisters, so I'm, I'm pretty used to it. They love to talk about this stuff around me. 
but i mean no it's that's real life i feel like it's it's a good thing to talk about cool um okay one more question i thought like it was a good way to end um do you guys have any more thoughts about either coaching as a female coaching females um and then i guess any parting words anything you want to say before we before we wrap up Um, one thing I, I think I'd like is, um, again, I'm a newer female coach, um, is just that I appreciate and hope that the female coaches can, we can collaborate more together. Um, there's not many of us and, uh, Josh, I appreciate you gathering a few of us, you know, four of us together on this podcast and, um, just that, yeah, we can, we can gather more and and talk together more and and i hope that our female athletes have a greater respect for kind of who we are and what we do and um yeah that they respect us more sometimes because i think sometimes there's still this stigma um even our in our younger female athletes that um that females don't maybe deserve the respect they do and yeah i hope that you like the four of us are a piece of those um women that are proving that wrong and yeah i hope that whomever is gathering together as female coaches that we can i think hope help each other out more in the future amen i'll, I'll just add i think it's encouraging that um that we're seeing more female coaches kind of across the board like when i when i was in high school there were no female coaches. I mean, I was in high school forever ago. I'm way older than all of you, but there were no female coaches anywhere. And so now the fact that, you know, you can gather four of us here and we can talk about it. And there are, there are more coaches out there. And my, my daughter is seeing more coaches in her athletic life. I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree, you know, with the, the, with the female coaches, my college coach, Judy Wilson, she's, you know, I love her to death and she was such an inspiration for me. And I learned a lot of who I, a lot of who I am, I owe to her and the, what I was able to accomplish and beyond college, what I've accomplished, I kind of owe to her and what I've become as a coach, I kind of owe to her because she, she taught me a lot as well as a, as a female coach and has inspired me and is part of the reason why I wanted to get into coaching as well as because I, I saw the connections she could have with other female athletes and that's kind of what I wanted to thrive to do. Um, so I think it's important for us to, like Whitney said, to, to band together, to stick together. Hopefully over the years to come, we see more of us at the state meet lining up with our, with our teams, you know, cause I, I do look down and it's more male coaches, but it's awesome to see those female coaches and not going to lie. When I see a female coach crack into the top 10 at the state meet or whatever, that's, you know, that's something cool to see too, because we just don't see that very often. So, you know, more females we can get that would, you know, would be cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think um, I'm gonna say here. Um, I think I know it was hard for me when I had to step away from coaching because I had two kids. I had a Irish twins; so they were within a year apart, so I stepped away. But um, is finding that balance after children too. So I was lucky once again to have assistant coaches that we helped each other with our kids. Like even now, seven women we help watch each other's kids. And the track coach Megan Meinering has two little kids, so 
during the summer, I watch her kids while she takes the weight training or she watches the kids while I take the weight training. So we help each other out so that we can still coach. So um, get a good support system so that you can still coach through children, um, through any life struggles that you have. Um, that, that village that we say that we are to other people, we have to have our own village as coaches too. And those are males and females, I feel like, that you have to have on your, in your village to help support you. Um, um, and that's what I found that is important. And then I think we go back to confidence because if we're confident, then our team is confident. And um, that's like the big thing is to really exhume that confidence. Awesome. Well, we finally reached the end. Didn't think we'd do it, but <laughs> two and a, almost two and a half hours later. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time tonight. Um, you guys didn't have to do this, but I'm glad you guys all agreed to it. Um, tomorrow I'm going to go back through and like re-listen to it and put on timestamps. And I'm really looking forward to it because there are like at least five things that you know, that were said between the four of you that like really stuck out to me and I want to take away for for future use. Um, and I hope everyone sticks through to the end because there's, yeah, like I said, a lot of good things. And I think, I don't know, anyone can take away something from this conversation. So thank you guys. Josh, if you ever become a female coach, you can use Jill's story. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> As a you know a, a woman who yeah see I'll bring her I'll bring her in for a special uh speech yeah there you go yes feel free to edit that one out <laughs> I love actually that. I'll edit everything else out I'll just keep that story it'll be a, a one minute podcast that yeah <laughs> no thank thank you for getting us together it was so nice to meet all of you and I hope I see you in the future at meets and at state meets yep. Okay, who's coming to the conference in Indianapolis, February? I think I think I'll be there for at least one day. Yeah, I will too if they can find subs. Right, I'll see you there. <laughs> I'll be standing on Friday night. Josh, I'll see you at Fort Canal. Yeah, true. I'll I'll be at the conference too. Actually, I'm getting it paid for, so I guess I got to go. <laughs> cool. Well, everybody, until next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you.